You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Didn't you coach Burt Reynolds? Yes, I did. Was he any good? He was a defensive back. I know. Was he any good? I said. 103.9 FM LI News Radio presents The Weekend Crunch with Errol Marks and Josh Silverberg. Hello, 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 hello to a new show of The Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Errol Marks. And my co-host, Little J himself, Joshua Silverberg. And on the board, as always, Mr. Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time. Only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network. Brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Mr. Silverberg, what's going on, my friends? Nothing much, nothing much, guys. Just another wonderful week in sports. A lot going on, a lot of controversy. That's for damn sure, and we're going to get all into that. Oh, absolutely, and I just want to apologize to the fans of a screaming match yesterday in the Loudmouths with Mr. Speedy Petey, the controversial arguments that we had with Jalen Ramsey and Xavier Howard on who the better uh, corner is in the league. So that was interesting. If you haven't checked out the Loudmouths, it's on Wednesdays and Thursdays on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Download the app by going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android Worldwide Sports Radio Network. So, I will say this. There is so much going on in the world. We're going to get into all the stuff in sports, but uh, there was so much stuff uh, happening over the week. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to DMX's family. Uh, He passed away yesterday at the age of 50. One of the greatest uh, rappers of the 90s. Everybody remembers him as the dog man. And, and, And I'll tell you this right now. DMX was... Everything when it came to hip hop movies and all that other stuff, he he really. If anybody hasn't seen the movie Belly, it's one of the greatest um, hip hop movies you'll ever see. Nas was in it, uh, Method Man was in it. It was a great, great movie. So uh, he will be missed as far as his music. It will always be there if you're a DMX fan. Uh, and by the way, the Party Anthem is one of the greatest songs of all mm-hmm. time. So uh, very well known. People play it. Uh, when it comes to baseball games, how many uh, baseball players come out to that track? So uh, it is. He has been really revolutionized uh, when it came to hip hop and and hip hop music. So he will be missed. And uh, so and, and by the way, uh, uh, Prince George died yesterday as well. Queen Elizabeth's husband passed away yesterday too. So Queen Elizabeth, who's like a hundred and five, I mean, the lady's never gonna die. And uh, her uh, her husband, Prince uh, George, I think he died somewhere in his nineties. They must have really good doctors because these guys these people don't die the english don't die so there you go what i really want to get into first and the whole new york jets situation in new york i say this because the giants have been hidden this offseason there's nothing there's nothing about the new york giants that really lights up your day i mean they the Kenny Galladay signing, despite the fact that the Giants overpaid Kenny Galladay, there's no story out there that really stands out for the New York Giants in the last two years. Joe Judge signs with the New York Giants last year. He had a very good beginning of the season, and then at the end of the season, kind of fell apart. But there's nothing with the Giants. But everything is going on with the New York Jets right now. And the whole Sam Darnold trade. And I went back last week when we were at the event, we talked about Sam Darnold and what the Jets need to do at the quarterback position. It seemed like Zach Wilson was the guy. 
Uh, are they going to trade Sam Donald before the draft? Are they going to keep him and, and try to play him sometime in the middle, in the beginning of the season, try to get as much as they can out of him with a better squad and maybe trade him three, four, four games into the season so they can get more draft stock? Because people were saying, I think Adam Scheffner said in the last couple of weeks that the Jets would be lucky to get a third or a fourth round pick for a guy like Sam Donald, especially with the season that he had this past season. Well, Joe Douglas did it again. He got something for very little. And, I, and I'm not calling Sam Darnold very little, but what, what we've been hearing from all these analysts that the Jets weren't going to get more than possibly one pick for Sam Darnold, and it wasn't going to be more than a, a third or fourth pick. Well, he got three picks. He got a six-round draft pick from the Carolina Panthers this year in this upcoming draft, and they have next year's second-round and fourth-round pick from the Carolina Panthers. So what does this say for the New York Jets? Well, what it says is, Sam Donald had no chance of being a part of this organization moving forward. I think at the end of the season, Joe Douglas had to make a decision on where he was going with the quarterback position. And I think he was saying after he brought in his own coach and after he brought in his own offensive coordinator, he wanted to go another way. He wanted to start from scratch. He wanted to rebuild the team with a rookie quarterback that he thought would really express what he wants to do with the Jets culture. And it seems like it's going to be Zach Wilson. You saw Joe Douglas. You saw Robert Sala and uh, Mike LaFleur at the Zach Wilson Pro Day. And they were enamored. They, they thought he was absolutely amazing. And the throws that he was making at his Pro Day was fantastic. And now you see where the Jets are going with their future and where they're going with their organization. They want to start from scratch. The question is, did the Jets do the right thing? And that's going to be a question that won't be able to be answered right now. It will be answered three, four years down the road. If, if Sam Darnold really uh, develops over there with Matt Rule and, and obviously Brady over there as the offensive coordinator, then Sam Darnold will be the franchise quarterback that everybody thought he was going to be in New York. And if Zach Wilson becomes a franchise quarterback, and some people say, uh, Aaron Rodgers-esque or maybe a Patrick Mahomes type of quarterback, well, then the Jets won't look like they made a big mistake. The only reason why the Jets will get attacked is if Sam Donald becomes something in Carolina and then Zach Wilson falls apart. He's not the quarterback that he they thought he was going to be. They didn't get as much back from Sam Darnold where everybody thought, some people thought before they traded him, including yours truly, that he was worth a first-round draft pick because of where he was drafted and being that he's only 23, going to be 24 in the beginning of the season, where he's still hasn't even reached his top echelon talent. I think that the Jets still might regret not keeping Sam Donald and seeing what he is. You see what San Francisco did, trading up to number three with the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins got three picks, went to 12, and then moved up to six, trading with the lonely Philadelphia Eagles. But now you look at where the Jets are. They're drafting at two. They could have really solidified their organization and where they're going. And there's so many deficiencies the Jets have. They need linebackers. They need corners. They need offensive line help. They have deficiencies with this team. They're still a rebuilding team. I don't care if they have 21 picks in the next two years. It matters on how much talent he can bring in in the draft where he can, Robert Sala and Mike LaFleur can develop and turn them into top-end players. So, Josh, I look at Sam Donald. I know you want Zach Wilson. I know that you thought Sam Donald wore out his welcome here in New York. 
What were your thoughts when you heard that Sam Donald was traded to the Carolina Panthers? Kind of expected. I think when you looked at the play, the way that the teams were kind of fizzling out in the sense of who was going to be left available for the 49 excuse me, for the Jets to trade Sam Donald to, I mentioned the 49ers. I was getting ahead of myself. But the 49ers were one that you heard the Washington football team was another, but then you see the Washington football team is signing Ryan Fitzpatrick, and then you see the and then you see the 49ers are gonna stick with Jimmy G, and then they're gonna they trade up in the draft. So clearly those fizzled out. There were still maybe some teams. You heard the Chicago Bears, Andy Dalton was signed. I'm still not sold as to why Matt Nagy and crew think that Andy Dalton's gonna solidify the QB position with Because them. the offensive coordinator comes from the Bengals and he actually coached Andy Dalton. That's the I understand that, but at the same time, I mean, is he really going to be the difference maker? Or wouldn't you rather take the upside in Darnold and see what he has? That's really what it comes down to because you still have an Allen Robinson there. So you still have some nice pieces there. I mean, their offensive line is not great. A lot of analysts did not think they were going to get what they got. Joe Douglas just keeps stockpiling draft picks. The thing is, they didn't have allegiance to Sam. They didn't have that. Robert Sala and Joe Douglas and LaFleur they didn't draft him. And Joe Douglas said in an interview on SI.com that it resets the market for them, where they can now build around this team on a quarterback with a rookie contract. Whereas the problem is, if Sam doesn't do well in his first game or a second game of the year, that's where the fans are going to harp on him. And Look, I mean, you're hearing it now. Brian Hoyer visited the Jets this past week. Is Brian Hoyer anything special? No. But what he is 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 a veteran quarterback that will probably start the first two or three games, and they'll put Zach Wilson in, so they'll let Zach Wilson learn on the fly. That's what a lot of teams are now starting to trend towards lately. So we'll see where the Jets go with this. I think Wilson is going to be the obvious pick. I understand where both parties are. I understand Sam getting a fresh start in Carolina. I still think he could be a very good quarterback. I just think he just wore out his welcome here in New York. And listen, the coaching was a huge deficiency, but there were still some things he needs to fix. And maybe Matt Rule can fix that. And I think Zach Wilson will come in here. I think if they sign up Brian Hoyer or an Alex Smith or a veteran quarterback, that quarterback's going to play the first few games. And then they're going to put Zach Wilson in in the middle of the season. How much better is Zach Wilson to Sam Donald? How could you not give Sam Donald a chance with a better roster? I understand that he's going to a better roster of a team right now in Carolina. I think Matt Rowell loves Sam Donald. He always wanted to come here and coach Sam Donald. So we all know the understanding of why Sam Donald went to Carolina. And I thought Carolina was the best fit for Sam Donald. For the last couple of months, I thought he was the best fit uh, to go to Carolina. But I also think that he would have developed better under Ron Rivera. I thought he would have fit better with the Washington football team. I think the Jets should hold on to somebody like Sam Donald and see what you have with Sam Donald and what you have with all the players that you're going to bring in through the draft. You could have stockpiled at the second pick. You could have gotten a significant amount back. And now now you're hearing that if Justin Fields falls to number four, that the New England Patriots could trade up to number four with the Falcons and get Justin Fields. That means you're going to have to contend with Justin Fields two times a year over there in the AFC East and Josh Allen and 
Tua, and maybe Deshaun Watson in the future, whenever that stuff comes to fruition. Who knows what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson. But with the stockpile of Miami, what they've done in the last couple of weeks, they can get Deshaun Watson if they want. Because Deshaun Watson is on a, you can get him on a low right now and, and just hold on to him and see what happens in the next couple of weeks or the next couple of months. And maybe you have one of the great young quarterbacks in the NFL right on your roster. So, I think the Jets, I hope they did their due diligently and made sure that Zach Wilson would be the perfect fit and he fits what the Jets are trying to promote moving forward as an organization. It all comes down to what we're going to see in the next three or four years. If Sam struggled, that was what I think the Jets were fearing because then you have the $20, $25 million option. You don't know what to do at that point. There's no really good quarterbacks that are coming out of the draft next year where the Jets feel that there's a lot of talented quarterbacks coming out this year. So they felt they didn't want to take that chance on risking, okay, if we stick with Sam again and he struggles still, now what do we do? Joe Douglas doesn't want to overthink this. And he was going to hold on to both quarterbacks. He should have. Which would have been, I think, I, I think would have been a mistake because it would have been a distraction for both guys. It would have not worked for for both of those. Well, you guys. could have gotten a first round draft pick for Sam, being that he's twenty three, twenty four. He's still one of the youngest starters in the league. You start him in the season for the first three games, like you're going to do with Hoyer. If he wins three games in a row, then you get you can trade him on a high, and then maybe get a first round draft pick for Sam instead of a sixth, a second, and a fourth. Well, I, I understand really, that. But I really think they should have held on to him. It's an interesting situation because we don't know how this is going to unfold. I mean, look, maybe it unfolds like the way the Chargers situation did where Drew Brees left, went to the Saints, produced really well, but Phillip Rivers also still produced for the Chargers. So it's almost like it could be one of those situations where Sam goes to the Panthers, produces well, but the Jets hit it with Zach Wilson. So maybe both parties can win in this situation. Doesn't There doesn't have to be a winner and a loser or two losers. Both guys could be winners here. It comes down to how the Jets will develop Wilson. And if Matt Rule and Joe Brady can squeeze whatever talent there is out of Sam Darnold that he had coming out of USC. And look, does Sam have talent? Sure. Does he still have a lot of deficiencies? Yes. Everybody, every quarterback has deficiencies. Everybody. Of course. There's, but there's deficiencies and then there's just major headaches. There's just tendencies where they just don't go away. Even in college, he, he turned the ball over a lot. And he made certain mistakes in college. And yes, he had terrible coaching. He didn't have any really good teams around him. But there were still times where he would force issues that didn't have to be forced. You look back at his college film, and you look at him in the NFL, and you say, man, how come that hasn't changed? Like, I understand it could be a coaching thing. It could be a way he is. It's in his head. But even there were times when he was in the pocket in certain games that he just faltered at times and he had happy feet even when he didn't have pressure. And it just was, I think stuck in his head at that point. I'm going to feel like I have pressure every time I have to get rid of this ball. I agree with you in a lot of ways, but I think that the Jets should have held on to him. I think you could have gotten more for Sam Donald. Maybe you get a one and a three or a one and a four uh, next year, or maybe as the season progressed, if a team needed a quarterback, Sam plays the first three or four games, plays well with a better team around him, with a better offensive line, with a bunch of better players and playmakers. Maybe Sam Donald proves that he could play in this league, and then you trade him to Carolina. Well, what if Sam doesn't play well, though? 
still could get a second anything. and a fourth. You could still get a second and a fourth. Oh. How many times did Josh Rosen, when he got traded, a team got a second and a fourth for him? Twice. I understand Twice. that. Twice. And difficult. he's still he's a backup quarterback playing as a backup quarterback. He's not even a, a backup quarterback. He's playing on the practice team. I don't even Tampa know where Bay he is. That was he on Tampa now? No, yeah. 49ers now. He's no, on the practice yeah, team. Josh Rosen, you got two second rounds and two fourth rounds in two separate trades for Josh Rosen. And Josh Rosen has never even stepped on the field in almost two years as a starting quarterback. So what does that tell me? Even if you kept Sam Donald for the beginning of this season, even if he had four bad games, you probably still could have traded him to the Washington football team, the Bears, or all these teams looking for a quarterback. Seattle probably would have traded for him one way or another for a second and a fourth. Look, they traded two first for Jamal Adams. I'm, I'm sure they're regretting that right now. So um, I believe you still could have gotten a, se- a second and a fourth for him. So I think the Jets made a mistake. I think that Joe Douglas got as much as he can for him and definitely surprised a lot of people because Joe Douglas got three picks, a sixth round, which is an important for six round draft pick this year because of the fact that COVID-19 happened. And a lot of these players, we didn't get a chance to see this season. So they missed a full season. So they kind of grade them on the film that they had the year before. So that means some of these players could have gotten better, more developed, more faster, more stronger. And you might be able to get a steal in the sixth round. Ask Bryce Hall, ask the Jets, Joe Douglas getting Bryce Hall because of an Achilles injury and see how good he was this year when he when he came in as a starter so anything is possible when we come back ladies and gentlemen we're going to get into more football and just this week something terrible happened in football well really in the offseason an ex-football player murders five innocent people i'm going to get into that with josh and tell you why cte could be behind it here on the weekend crunch Our back, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Daryl Marks, my co-host, Little Jay himself, Joshua Silverberg, and the producer, as always, the board man, Mr. Tidy Whitey Man himself, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to the show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time, only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Download the download the Worldwide Sports Radio app by going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You can check out our unbelievable, fabulous articles. You can listen and watch our shows throughout the week on the app and check out whatever you missed, watched and listened to the replays of our shows right in the palm of your hands. Download the app. It's a great app. It's a free app. It's for all the fans. And by the way, go to our website. We have the New York Minute Trivia Game that you can win prizes. It is an awesome, awesome trivia game. You got one minute to answer seven questions. So definitely check that out. Go to the website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Well, Josh, before we get into this crazy story, and it is a crazy, sad story, um, you were telling me that you got into a car accident the other day. A woman's brakes. She said the brakes were faulty. So what happens? We were in bumper to bumper traffic. I basically hit her from behind. We got out of the car. I was ready to say it was my fault. She says, nope, it was her fault. I get a phone call yesterday morning. And then she's saying, I'm, I'm changing that, that, that cause. And then that was it. So, well, and there's your dog. 
And there's your dog screeping and screaming and whatever the heck she's doing. But I will say this. I know you were telling me she actually tried to go and talk to your body shop, your guy, Mike, and actually tried to persuade him to take her side against you. Am I right or wrong? No, you're right. That's exactly what. And she didn't even have to tell him the story. And he was like, she didn't have to tell it to me. And she did. Well, she also. (laughs) What are you doing? Well, she also told him that she had brake problems anyways. And then all of a sudden tried to flip it. Well, what did she say? She said something that could you be my spokesman? She Uh, said, can you be my rep to my insurance company? mm. But by the way, I'm just letting you know, I've had brake problems on my car the last few weeks. Mm. What a wonderful person. Let me tell you. So God almighty. I can't. I, I, and I said to Michael and I said, can you, I, I don't even get it. Like, what the hell? And Michael said, you didn't even have to do this. <laughs> I will say this. When it comes to cars, some people, some people don't realize, especially here in New York State, that you are at fault if you hit him from behind. She actually stopped short. You hit her. And yep. then you actually were going to take the blame. And she decided mm-hmm. not to go through insurances, not to call the police. So automatically, it's not your fault. That's really the New York State rule. She took responsibility. And I offered I offered a police report. I offered to call it in. I offered to do the insurance swap. And she said, nope. Well. Oopsie daisy. There was a fascinating story that happened over the week. Uh, on Tuesday night, late Tuesday night, early Wednesday, a story came out that an ex-NFL player murdered, yes, murdered five innocent people. A doctor, uh, a doctor, 70 years old, his wife his beautiful wife, I think she was in her late 60s, and I think his name was Dr. Hallie Zwiebel from the New York Institute of Technology Center. There was a doctor, his wife, his two grandchildren, and I think a butler or um, a nanny that was murdered by Philip Adams, an ex-NFL player that played for the 49ers, played for the Jets, quite a few teams in the NFL. I think he played in the NFL for about five years. And it's a crazy story. And I think it really stirs up to CTE. And on the loudmouths, we were talking about it. And we were one of the first people to bring up on what we believe could have been the cause. And CTE, which if anybody didn't see the movie Concussions, it's a sad movie because the NFL tried to brush this CTE situation under the rug. Tried to destroy this doctor because he was trying to help NFL football players. Trying to figure out why players were killing themselves or killing other people and destroying their lives. After the game of football. And what's so unique about this story is there was no reason why this man went over to this doctor's house and killed not only innocent old people, but grandchildren, young kids, kids that had nothing to do with anything, murdered them in cold blood and then shot and blown his head off. So not only did he kill five people, he killed himself. Then we're hearing stories over the last couple of days that uh, his family is donating his brain to science to obviously figure out if it was CTE. How are you going to figure out if it's CTE when he blew his head off? Okay, it doesn't make any sense. And I don't know how they're going to be able to do that with the Aaron Hernandez situation after what he did with Floyd and and those two other people at a club, those two brothers or two best friends, you know, driving in a car. And then they actually donated his brain to science and found out that it was probably the worst brain they've ever seen when it came to CTE. So we look at the NFL and we bring this story up. And the NFL has a lot of responsibility from this. They should take a lot of responsibility from it because of the fact that 
players for years have been reaching out for the NFL and saying that they don't have benefits. They don't have any way of going to see a doctor to get their brains checked, to get their, their ankles, their feet, their elbows, their knees checked. Because after they're out of the NFL, the NFL just throws them to the side like they're uh, a bunch of wastes. They're a piece of garbage. And to me, the players' union actually won $100 million to the innocent players that don't have benefits, the players that now are at the ages of 50s, and in their 50s and 60s, that walk around like they're 70 and 80 years old. And $100 million for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of players that have played in the league is not going to help the problem that's going on with the NFL. Now, the NFL has been trying to change rules trying to help out because they have discovered there are more concussions off of punt returns and kick returns. Well, there's still concussions going on in the NFL. It has to do with their helmets. Now, over the years, especially in the 40s and the 30s, they didn't really use helmets. They wore these, I guess, padded plastic things. I don't know what they were, but there was less concussions. Yes, they're bigger and stronger now these days. There's no question that the football players are more athletic and bigger and stronger. But these helmets aren't protecting these players. And I know they're trying to change the different pads in the helmets. It hasn't helped. Has the concussions slowed down in the NFL? Yes, they have. But it's still affecting these players. These players are retiring and killing and harming other people, innocent people. And it's a shame because I don't know Philip Adams. I've never met Philip Adams. I've never interviewed Philip Adams. And I'm sure he was a good guy. But there was something not ticking right in his brain, Josh. And, and I feel bad for this family because these innocent people are dead today because of the NFL and the fact that this man didn't get help. No, of course. And you and you mentioned the movie Concussions. If you haven't seen it, it is a great movie with Will Smith in it. And again, they tried to throw the doctor to the wolves. That's essentially what they did to make him look like the bad guy. The situation is this. I was I mentioned it off the air, I think. Who was the player, Speedy? The one that was on the, the Kansas City Chiefs situation as well. Javon Belcher. He went into uh, Romeo Cornell's office and shot himself too. And they said, I believe that was part of CTE. Junior Sale was another perfect example. In his 30 for 30, he got concussed in a game he shrugged his head off they didn't really have any of the concussion testing that they do today that they did back then and he went back into the game again and then he went driving his car off the road but caused problems with his family and then a divorce and all this stuff happened and it's crazy because junior sale all he did was hear what a wonderful human being he was and then out of left field, this happens. I mentioned it on Sports Lemons. Winker Bennett had six concussions. One can only know what's going to happen with him when he gets uh, scanned with CT and stuff like that, how that ends up going down and everything like that. Boomer Siasen thinks that eventually he's going to have CT because he had five or six oh, concussions. He's scared. Jim McMahon, go watch the Bears special of the 85 Bears. Jim McMahon, every single morning, he goes to a doctor and gets head therapy. So that way it reduces any effects from CTE and stuff like that. He goes every single day, every morning, and gets basically, whether it's therapy and stuff like that. His brain scared too. Head trauma. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to have this and he's scared for his family. It's a crazy situation when he is. And of course, you say young children, anything like that. I mean, you think anytime with young children. I'm a school teacher for me. I mean, when I think of young children that get hurt, I think of the Sandy Hook Elementary. I mean, Speedy, you're from Connecticut. Uh, I mean, 25 you, minutes from where I live. Yeah. I mean, you know, about, I mean, it's just when you hear something like that, it's just a crazy situation. But with young, I mean, anytime anybody gets shot, but young little children that are that are defenseless that murdered 
with anything. It's just a horrible, and it gives me chills because we do lockdown drills in my school still. We still do all that stuff and we practice it once a month and we go through it and we have to tell the kids to stay quiet and we lock the doors and turn the lights off and do everything and hide from the windows. And it's just crazy how that school was once a safe spot. Now it's, we have to practice this because you see Sandy Hook Elementary happens. You don't know what's a safe spot anymore. This even in the school in Florida. My cousin, one of her friends, I believe, one of her friends got was shot at the school that happened when it happened in Florida a couple of years ago. So it's just crazy things happen like this. And we never know what the problem is, what the background is of these people. The point I'm trying to get at is this. This really needs to be fixed. And whether that's lightening the equipment, loosening the helmets more, like you said, Arrow, maybe going back to what they used to have. I don't know. By the, the way, probably the, too heavy. By the way, I got their names and they deserve to have their names mentioned yeah. on the show. Dr. Robert Leslie, who is 70 years old, his wife, Barbara Leslie, 69. Ada Leslie, nine years old, and Noah Leslie, who was five, and James Lewis, who was 38, and he was an air-conditioned tech that was there. He was murdered, too, and he was 38, same age as me. He's just a guy doing a job fixing an air conditioning. Yep. and he was murdered. Yep. I mean, who thinks when you're doing that, you're going to a job to be an air-conditioned tech and that happen? I mean, it's, it's a sick world out there, and this needs to be corrected by the NFL. It has to be. Because we've seen this How? one too many times where it's, it's just a problem. How are they going to correct it, Josh? They're going to claim they're doing... That's lightening the padding. That's changing the helmets. That's... They're claiming they've done everything. Roger Goodell, who actually got a $50 million, a $45 million contract a year with the owners of the NFL. He got $45 million a year. He's got benefits for him and his family for the rest of their lives. And he has full rights to a jet wherever he wants to go, wherever he wants in the world, whenever he wants. This guy's got full-fledged benefits. This guy has never stepped on a football field, and so does his family. But these NFL players, ex-NFL players, that give their lives not only to the fans, but to the owners, to the commissioner, to the league, they can't get full-fledged benefits after they're done with their careers. Is that fair? No, of course not. I think it's a, it's a disturbing way that you just mentioned, that you just brought it up because you look at it this way. You're just reporting what has been said. Yes. That the NFL says that they've done all they could do. That's hot garbage. This is not all they, they've done. They, they barely even scratched the surface. You're talking about trying to change the way they tackle. They're trying to change the way how you could tackle and stuff like that. You don't want to use the crowd of the helmet. And Speedy and I talked about it in college football. They eject the player instantly. You're gone. You're out of here. If that's what it means to try to stop it and just if it happens, forget to doing a penalty you eject the player if that's what it means to change the way you have to fix this by all means so be it try to do it that way the ncaa does that they haven't scratched the surface the ncaa does that if you personally hit somebody to try to permanently injure them you're thrown out of the game there is no second chance yeah exactly and look at montez perfect he's a nutcase he's crazy albert hainsworth Purposely stepping on guys' heads. Indomitian Sue is another one. Mm-hmm. Yes, Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Craziness, man. These guys are nuts. It's not just football. It's also hockey, uh, especially. Oh, of course. Listen, Tom contact. Wilson is the king of it. Yeah. Tom Wilson. Todd Bertuzzi. And every game, then it's crazy. Todd Bertuzzi permanently injured somebody. And, I remember. And put him in a wheelchair for the rest of yeah. his life. And he's about to keep playing. 
Mm-hmm. And, and then you talk about even soccer, even European football over there overseas, the headbutts that they have and what they contain running up and down the fields. They run about 15 miles a game. Could you imagine running On the corner fi- kicks too, jumping. 15 miles a game and they're running full force and they're headbutting each other or elbowing yep. each other. I, I mean, it's dangerous and that these sports should be protecting their players and giving them the right doctors, the right benefits that when they're done with their careers, I don't care how much money you make no money can save your health no money ask anybody ask movie stars how many of these people have cancer and they have all the money in the world and the money that they have and the benefits that they have is not enough that's going to save their lives so i think the nfl after this happened this is another person that has passed away because of cte okay and murdered people because of cte aaron hernandez one of them mike webster another one junior Sehow, javon belcher Andre Waters, Ken Stabler. There's so many people that have the, had these CTE problems and still, even with all the studies with their brains, they still haven't figured out a way to try to fix this or try to contain it where these players can still play the game of football and be safe with their families. Patrick Willis left the game early. You talk about the Brickashaw Ferguson left the game early. Alvin Johnson, Calvin Barry Johnson. Sanders, Nick, they all did. Nick Mangle left the yeah. game early because of CTE. A lot just, of these Just guys. recently, Luke, Luke Keekley. Luke Keekley, another player that left the game early in their careers at the top of their games. And then you see what happened to Aaron Hernandez. And everybody blames Aaron Hernandez. He's a monster. He's a monster. Was it really his fault for what he did? His brain was completely messed up. It was mashed up. And everybody says he was a good guy. And then he goes on this craziness on killing people. And then uh, eventually kills himself. So it's just a sad situation. I think the NFL really need to dig deep into this. And maybe actually back up the doctor that figured out what to call this disease in CTE and and invest money into trying to figure out how to protect or save these players when they come down with this CTE situation. So uh, it's a sad story. I want to give a shout out to the, the families that lost their loved ones, the Leslie family that lost not only grandparents, parents, but two young kids. It's really, really sad. And obviously James Lewis, the air conditioning technician that was there at 38 years old. A shout out to his family as well. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get into some baseball conversation. Michael Conforto loves to dip his elbow where it shouldn't be. And now a lot of MLB teams might be headhunting for Mr. Conforto. When we come back, we'll get into why we think not only should the MLB fine him, but I think Michael Conforto is going to be seeing a lot of balls going up and uh, around his head in the next couple of weeks. And I'll tell you why here on the Weekend Crunch. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Joshua Silverberg, and on the board, as always, Mr. Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Listen to the World Wide Sports Radio Network by downloading our app, ladies and gentlemen, going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android, World Wide Sports Radio 
Network. Well, I, I will say this, Josh. Um, even though there's a lot of terrible drivers, I finally started driving on the road after my neck surgery. I have been getting around slowly but surely. I, I started off picking up Speedy PD and taking him home at late at night. But now, finally, I have given myself an opportunity to drive more than 10 miles. I had the permission from my doctor. So that is good news, even though I see terrible drivers Every <laughs> even now, even with my neck surgery, I worry because I wear my seatbelts, always wear my seatbelt. But I still worry about the crazy drivers on the road. Yesterday I tried to drive in the middle of the intersection lane and somebody almost took my front end out from under me. So I I really worry sometimes here in Long Island because it feels like I'm in the city that there's taxi drivers everywhere I look. So Ladies and gentlemen, please, I know the summertime's out and I, I know everybody likes to get out and have a little bit of fun. Please be careful on the road. There is children, innocent children crossing the street. Yesterday I saw a kid kick his kickball right across the street and some guys coming down the road going 45 miles per hour. And if they didn't see the kid, they probably would have hit the kid. So be careful. Watch mm-hmm. where you're driving. And please, you don't want to try to hit the great and powerful level. Okay? So there you go. Uh, <laughs> the New York Mets, guys. And I, I know there's a lot of New York Mets fans that were so happy, so joyous when they heard that they finally got a $340 million player in Mr. Francisco Lindor. But not the fact that Francisco Lindor is not hitting right now. He's batting 214, made some good defensive plays in the last couple of games, but he's not hitting right here. And I've said this over and over again. I think the Mets should have waited for at least a year, see how he hits in New York, because there are quite a few good shortstops that are going to be available next year. One of them is coming from the Cubs, who I believe is a better hitter and a better overall player because he's younger and actually has proven that he can hit in a good division with the, the Chicago Cubs, and that's Baez. But to me, the New York Mets, two days ago, Michael Conforto with bases loaded. And by the way, I know a lot of fans and a lot of people are upset. Even the Mets fans are upset at Michael Conforto for actually putting his elbow out and getting hit with his elbow with his pad on and walking the winning run home, which I believe the major leagues, the MLB, and I'm not a big fan of their commissioner. Everybody knows that. Rob Manford is an idiot. Okay, probably besides Roger Goodell, he is the worst commissioner in professional sports. Okay, these rule changes, especially in the 10th and 11th inning, that you're automatically sending a player to second base with no outs. There should be an out. If you're going to put a person or a player at second base, there should be a consistent out in the starting of that inning. It shouldn't be zero outs with a man on second. That gives... Every team, especially the home team, an advantage. But nevertheless, I watched the replay of the game with the New York Mets. It was an unbelievable comeback by the New York Mets. The New York Mets, even though they cost Jacob DeGrom another win in the home opener, when Jacob DeGrom pitched six and a half great innings, they winded up taking him out with, what, 70, 80 pitches. They take him out, and the bullpen completely cost them. May, who they they signed in the offseason from the Twins, has been an absolute catastrophe so far for the New York Mets. And this has been the Mets' problem year in and year out. They bring in all these bullpen guys, these bullpen arms that are very successful wherever they come from, and they don't succeed here in New York. But it's not just the Mets, it's the Yankees too. But yesterday, having the conversations after the game with Michael Conforto, I really believe that the MLB should suspend or penalize 
Michael Conforto, $30,000 or $40,000 fine, even though it's nothing for Michael Conforto. He's trying to get a big-time contract from the great Uncle Stevie, but Uncle Stevie is really stepping back, which he should have done with Francisco Lindor, and see if Michael Conforto throughout this season is going to be able to hit. He's batting, what, 176 right now for the New York Mets. He's not hitting a lick, so you know what he does? He puts his elbow out there with bases loaded in extra innings and wins the game for the New York Mets. Now, how could the umpire at the end of the game, Josh, state that the ball was not in the strike zone when everybody in their mother saw that it was in the strike zone? Please, tell me, Josh, you're a Mets fan. Did you not see that pitch, and did you not think that that was a strike? No, of course it was a strike. And and the, the crazy thing is the umpire actually admitted that he screwed up. He should have called it a strike. The problem was, once the call was made, you can't review that on replay. You can only think you can review is if the batter was hit or not. You can't review if it was a strike or not. So, I mean, like, even going back to the Armando Galarraga situation, right, with Jim mm-hmm. Joyce, he screwed that up too. And I think umpires are horrible. They're all humans. Mm-hmm. You can't tell me that the second base umpire, when they all got together – the home plate umpire could have said, hey, listen, was that a strike? Did he lean in? They could have decided that together. I was very disappointed that that happened. If I'm a Marlins fan, not that there aren't really that many Marlins fans. <laughs> but, I mean, if I was a Marlins fan, I'd be very upset. I'd be very annoyed. Look, I expect Conforto to probably be hit, whether that's on the back or the side. I hope it's not directly in the head. I think that would be disturbing if that's the case. I don't think you should ever hit somebody with a hundred mile per hour fast. By the way, I was kidding when I when we were. Going oh no, to no, 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 no! I'm not even talking about you. I'm just. I've heard from other people too that they could go head hunting, and I'm just like, we brought it up on the sports live mouth. Who was the player? Speedy John Carlos Stanton. John Birdie. Yep. John, John Carlos Birdie Stanton. was the king of doing it against the Mets. There was a guy on Twitter. He actually put a highlight video together of Degrom and Syndergaard pitching and Birdie leaning in every time. They would pitch because they knew he couldn't he couldn't hit them, so he figured the only way I'm going to get on is if I lead into the pitch. It's like in little league, if the worst hitter is up on the team, they want to get the guy on base. They say, "All right, lead into the pitch, son." They did it in Banders <laughs> Bears. The kid he leaned into it. It, it wasn't Engelberg. I forget who it was, but the kid That's leaned into all? it. You know, <laughs> I love Engelberg. Come on, B U T. But Lisa knows how to spell. You know. <laughs> But they're now comparing this situation to the Houston Astros situation. I'm no, like, it's not. It has nothing to do with the Houston crazy Astros. Here. I mean, come, come on, on now. Players do this all the time. They lean into a pitch because they know they're not hitting well, so the only way they're going to get on is if they get a hit. Was it cheap? Absolutely. Was it disturbing? Of course it was. It was horrible. I was upset the way the Mets – I was embarrassed the way the Mets won the game. Right now, the New York Mets, they're going to be pegged. There are teams that are going to be, I wouldn't say headhunting, but they're going to try to hit some of their players. We have talked about this for years. Uh, Alex Rodriguez over the years, how many times did players say that he cheats? He went. I remember in one game, he was walking around. It was a, it was a high fly, a pop-up, and Alex Rodriguez was running around from second base, and he says, I got it, I got it. And the, shortstop, the shortstop completely moved out of the way, and the ball dropped. And, and there were so many players attacking Alex Rodriguez year in and year out that they say he's a cheater. Now, the Mets do it. Michael Conforto does it. And now I believe that not just Michael Conforto, there are going to be teams that are going to be throwing at the Met players. And the Met players, and and I like McNeil. I think McNeil is a great player. Hits a home run and he flips the bat. These guys were practicing on winning a World Series in a preseason game. This is a I huge problem. It happens all the time. Well, I, I give, Ron, give me a Ron, 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 Ron does every at bat. Who cares? 
The Mets haven't won anything. They haven't done anything in all, since 1986. What has Ronald Acuna done in this? But league, that, really? don't stick up for them because you want to know something. It doesn't. I make know, I'm sense. not sticking up for yes, them. Yes, you just, are. You know, You're sticking up for them. He's bad flipping. It's all over the place. I, that's gonna... not what I'm talking about. Are, are you going to practice winning a World Series in a preseason game? Oh no, I game? thought that was stupid. I thought it was. Uh, they're doing I mean, it. I... They're flipping. They're kissing every time. I saw I that player. I just went to the A Rod thing really quickly. I remember when he did the thing in the playoffs against Bronson Arroyo when he hit the ball and Bronson Arroyo's glove though, and he looked right at Arroyo. And he said, no, he dropped it. I thought that was funny. I look, They showed that highlight yesterday. I forget on what channel it was. So I just remember that. But well, I will say yeah. this. You're going to see, as the season progresses, the Mets get even more cockier if they start winning. And I'm not saying this because I'm a Yankee fan. I'm talking what I've seen. So far, the Mets haven't won anything. They haven't done anything. They're 2-2 two and two right now. They're in second place because they haven't played enough games because of COVID-19 and what happened in the beginning of the season, I think, with the Philadelphia Phillies. Washington. I'm sorry, Nationals. the Washington Nationals. So they haven't played enough games. But this is a team that's very cocky. They're young and they're cocky. You want to be cocky? Win something before you can be cocky. Your best player, if you call him your best player, your $300 million player, is batting 214 right now in four games. He hasn't done anything. He hasn't won anything. He hasn't done anything. He's in the National League East when he was in the American League in the easiest division in baseball. This is a cocky team, and they haven't done anything, Josh. I know you're a Mets fan, but you can't honestly tell me that this isn't a cocky team. This is an absolute cocky team that has done absolutely nothing. I just don't see where the cockiness part really plays. Are you kidding me? I mean, I mean, other than McNeil bad flipping. Look, go back to what the St. Louis Cardinals did yesterday. Yesterday, Nolan Arenado did a bad flip on a walk off. That's Nolan Arenado. I understand that, but it's still the what have the St. Louis Cardinals done the last few years? What, what have, have they, they done? done in the last ten years? They won how many championships? They're a championship. I mean, no. they-, they were excited. They won on a walk off win. Every team is going to get excited about Nobody it. Nobody in preseason practices winning a World Series. Nobody. That oh, shows, I agree with that. That shows the cockiness. I, and stupid. I didn't even understand it. That but shows the, the cockiness. They were practicing it. Rojas explained that they were practicing it because they were trying to see that in a big game, are they going to make any mistakes? That's what he wants to point out is, are you going to make mistakes? Oh, so make- you know what I'm going to do? This is what I'm going to do. We're going to practice on winning a World Series because I want to practice that you're not going to make any mistakes in the ninth inning. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Roas hasn't done anything as a manager. This is I a rookie manager. Man. He's a rookie manager that came from a farm, the Mets farm system. They decided to keep him. He hasn't done anything. He hasn't won anything. And he's got this young team that is jumping around, dancing around in the dugouts, thinking that they're the next thing since sliced bread. They haven't done anything yet. And they pay an overpaid player. And I've talked to a lot of Mets fans. They think that Francisco Lindor was highly overpaid for the player that he is. Being that he's a 285 hitter, he's had two really good seasons. He's been in a league for seven seasons or going on eight, and he hasn't really done anything. He hasn't won anything. He hasn't won a World Series. He's been a World Series. He also played on a team that was in one of the easiest divisions in baseball. And so they had a pretty easy ride when they went to the World Series. So I'm not attacking his skill. He's a great five-tool player. But again... This is a young team, and Pete Alonso saying, pay the man, pay the man. I love everything that Pete Alonso stands for, except the fact that he opened his big mouth before the season started because the Francisco Lindor wasn't signed with his $350, $360 million contract. That is a huge problem when your big name, your big bopper, is going out there and opening his big mouth. That's the problem with this Met team. With all the Yankees, beside Alex Rodriguez gone, have you heard anything from the New York Yankees players losing, winning, 
yet. If they go on a five-game winning streak, you're not going to hear the Yankees brag, dance around all over the field because the Yankees have done it before. They've won before. They know what it is to win. This team doesn't know what it went to win, and they're doing stupid things. And what Michael Conforto just did, teams are going to start looking at him like that. And Uncle Stevie, who is planning to pay him, is looking at him and saying, listen, you can't hit the ball. You're going to stick your elbow out there. You're batting 176. Why should I give you a $100 million contract when you're not worth it? And honestly, right now, as what we have seen, Michael Conforto is not worth a $100 million contract, which he is asking for. He's not worth more than DJ LeMayu, is he? DJ LeMayu is making $90 million. Mikey Conforto is a guy that is asking for $120 million. He wants a five- to six-year deal making about $25, 24000000 million. Michael Conforto is not DJ LeMayu. He might be younger, but he's not DJ LeMayu. DJ LeMayu is not even having a good season right now. He's still batting 270, 280. Okay, on a bad season right now in the beginning of the season. That's what tells me about Michael Conforto. I think this team is immature, and this team needs to grow up, and management needs to figure that out because if they don't grow up and they don't get this immaturity out, teams are going to start to hate them, and you know what they're going to do? Like we just said, they're going to go after by throwing against them, and you're going to see a lot of fights on the field against the New York Mets. And as far as the Yankees are concerned, the Yankees need to wake up because – I don't care about how many injuries. Aaron Judge is not getting a $300 million contract. I don't want to hear this from Yankee fans anymore. He's not getting $300 million. He is a free agent. He's getting his arbitration year this year. And the year after, he's an unrestricted free agent. He will be 31, going to be 32. He's not getting a $300 million contract. No team is giving him a $300 million contract. The guy can't stay healthy. It's six games or seven games in the season, and the guy is already missing a series. Even Giancarlo deserves all the credit in the world for what he has done. The New York Yankees are going to have to figure things out. These injuries are going to start piling up. They've been doing that for years. And Aaron Boone, as much as I like him as a manager, if he doesn't win, if they don't go to the World Series this year, he's gone, Josh. I agree with you. I think all the pressure is on him. He has to get to the World Series this year. How many times is he going to come close with the talented teams that he has? And yes, you can make the excuse for him where injuries are a concern. But every year when the playoffs roll around, it just seems like the whole Yankee lineup every year in the postseason, as great as the Yankee lineup is, and it is a very good lineup, it just feels like there's always one or two big-time players that are missing something. Like, say, two years ago, right? They had Aaron Judge was hitting well, but Jim Carl Stanton was not. Then last year, Stanton was hitting well, and Judge was not. If they put this whole lineup together and put it to fruition, and they know they could, they could be the consistent team that they need to be and should be, they'll get into the playoffs. And they'll win a championship. That's the key part of it. Anything can happen when you get into the playoffs. That's what it comes down to. And the Yankees have a – they're a World Series contending team. Aaron Boone – needs to start showing, especially in the postseason where he does get criticized about over-managing. The thing he did with Debbie Garcia last year was a despicable management move to take him out after one inning and to do this game where we're going to put J.A. Happen and try to throw off the Tampa Bay Rays and try to fool them. You can't seriously sit there and tell me that J.A. Happ had better stuff than Debbie Garcia. I mean, come on. It's foolishness to think that was the case. He has to win a championship this year, because the guy that he has succeeded in Joe Girardi, he won a World Series here. In a very short amount of time. And you could even make the case that Aaron Boone's had much more talented teams than Joe Girardi's had. Absolutely. So, that's why Aaron Boone, he needs to stop overmanaging. He needs to stop thinking in his head, okay, I'm going to try to outsmart this way. I'm going to bring this guy out of the bullpen. He just doesn't succeed in the bullpen. 
That's the problem with Boone. He's got to do better with his bullpen management. He's got to pace himself with his pacemaker. That's all I'm going to say. Well, I like that. Touche on this Yes, yes. Like pace that. yourself, Aaron, and the New York Yankees. You should call up them and you should be the spokesperson. No. You know, and just lie and say you have one. No. I, 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 <laughs> listen, I, I have enough to deal with with the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. I don't need to be anybody's spokesman. Anyways, when we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get into some NBA conversation. The Brooklyn Nets look like they're going in the Eastern Conference as the number one team. Are the Knicks going to squeak in because they're not playing very good basketball? We will get into that. And March Madness, my Baylor Bears. Yes, my Baylor Bears win the national championship. I'm going to tell you why. There are two players that could be big time NBA players going into this year's draft. And I'm going to tell you my interesting thoughts to that when we come back here on the Weekend Crunch. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Aaron Marks, my co-host, Joshua Silverberg. And on the board, as always, Mr. Tidy Whitey Man himself, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Sea Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Download our app, yes, download our app if you haven't done that yet iOS, WWSRN, or Android Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Our great articles, all the stories that we put out there are top-notch. And definitely, if you haven't listened to any of our shows, go to the roster, go to our website, go to the app, and go to the show's roster. We have a great um, a bunch of shows around the country. Definitely check it out. And if you miss any of the shows in the podcast end of it, you could actually go to the bottom, watch the clips, and actually listen to the whole shows without any commercials. So definitely check it out. Anyways, I want to get into the NBA before we get into March Madness and the two players from Baylor I think are going to be big players, big stars in the NBA wherever they get drafted. Hopefully the New York Knicks uh, land one of them. Who knows? The NBA right now with the Eastern Conference is pretty much the Brooklyn Nets and everybody else. And I've watched Kyrie Irving the last two weeks play great basketball. And I have my own thoughts with Kyrie Irving on what he thinks with the earth is flat and his stupidity on some of the things that he's done on and off the court. But the guy can play the game. He is a great basketball player. There are not many point guards in this league that can do what he does. He has the best ball handling skills in the NBA. He's one of the most underrated shooters at his position in the NBA. And the guy is so good, so good offensively in so many different ways. And he's a good foul shooter and free throw shooter. So to me... And his game defensively has gotten better the last couple of weeks. I can't say that it hasn't. He's been better than Mr. Uh, Harden over there. But anybody's better than Harden when it comes to defense. Um, <laughs> not saying much, yes. No, it's not saying much. But you look at this team with Marcus Aldridge, Blake Griffin. Now they stabilize themselves as far as their bench is concerned. They have the size. They have guys that can give them the offensive rebounds that they need. Here's the problem that I think is going to be the main strategic problem. When they play teams like Milwaukee or even Philadelphia, or maybe the New York Knicks early in these rounds, Boston Celtics, they're going to have problems defensively defending against the stretch fours. And there are a lot of stretch fours in the Eastern Conference, a.k.a. Julius Randle being one of them. The Greek Freak, another stretch four player. Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, you can use them as stretch four players. There are so many good stretch four players in the Eastern Conference, very athletic, very good off the dribble. 
this is going to be a problem for the Nets. I, I really do believe it. And guys like LaMarcus Aldridge, the young, youthful LaMarcus Aldridge, he might be able to stop him. I don't know going into the, this playoff if they're going to be able to stop these stretch four players. Now, Josh, I, I look at the Knicks and the way the Knicks are playing right now. I think they're very, very tired. I think Julius Randle looks very, very tired. I also look at uh, some of these young players. Obi Toppin's starting to get more playing time. He looks good. He's playing pretty good basketball. Why isn't he getting more time? Why aren't we seeing more Rose on the court? He is the best point guard on the team. Why is Alfred Payton playing more minutes than him when even last night, if you watch the game, Rose was the best point guard on the court besides Morant. And Morant's a fabulous player, by the way. He's a sensational player. And R.J. Barrett had a terrible game last night. Julius Randle has not looked good. I think Julius Randle's just tired. He looks really, really tired, and I think that has a lot to do with Thibodeau's defense, the way Thibodeau coaches, and it's definitely affected the the growth of this team. But I think that quickly, and Obi Toppin should be playing more minutes. I want to see more Kevin Knox. I want to see more of these young players on the court, and we just haven't seen it. R.J. Barrett plays 36, 37 minutes a game, which he's wearing, even though he's a young player, uh, Thibodeau is going to wear him out that when they get into the playoffs, he's not going to be at the top of his game. I think this is a huge problem. As good as Tom Thibodeau is as a head coach, he needs to figure out his rotation and use more players in his rotation. So, Josh, we were just talking about the Brooklyn Nets. We talk about the Knicks. The Knicks could squeak into the playoffs. Honestly, I don't want them to make the playoffs. I know a lot of Knicks fans are going to say, I'm crazy. Why do I want the Knicks to make the playoffs when they're at least two years away? Try to get the highest draft pick as possible as you can get because you need help to get where you want to go, especially compete with the Brooklyn Nets. Well, the thing is, going back to the Brooklyn Nets really quick, I think the thing that helps them out so much is that they, with them getting LaMarcus Aldridge, it now stretches out the rotation because what they could do is they could put Aldridge in the starting lineup, you have Harden, Kyrie, Durant, Aldridge, and DeAndre Jordan, which means now you can make Joe Harris your sixth man off the bench, which is a huge asset for the Brooklyn Nets because depth is so important. The Brooklyn Nets didn't have any depth. Now with getting Blake Griffin, with getting LaMarcus Aldridge, you've now stretched out that depth to where you can now officially use Joe Harris off the bench. In regards to the Knicks, I know what you were saying. R.J. Barrett didn't have a great game. He still scored 20 points last night, and the big thing was he hit his three free throw shots to tie up the game. Look, they're exhausted. We've seen this before. This was the problem when Thibodeau was in Minnesota. This was the problem when he was in Chicago. He would drive players to the ground. I love what Thibs has done. He's done a remarkable job. I think he should be up for Coach of the Year if this team makes the playoffs. I don't know if he'll win it. The coach from Utah, what's his name, Speedy? Quinn um, Snyder. Quinn will probably be the one that wins it, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Or even from Phoenix, he might win it too. Monty Williams. Well. Monty Williams might win it as well. But, yeah, Julius Randle, I mean, he only scored 15 points. He did have, 11, I believe, 10 assists and 11 rebounds, so he still had a triple-double, which is good. But he, he looks tired. I don't think you're going to see Kevin Knox. I, I know what you're saying, Aaron. You want to stretch this rotation out more because you want to give guys more minutes that haven't played. No, I want to keep. I want to keep my guys, the the top players, fresh. Yes, that's the thing, and that's why you're saying stretch out the rotation more where those guys can play. You take some of the load off of these guys' starts when the playoffs come around. They're not as riddled already with fatigue and everything like that. The problem is when he has his favorites, Thibodeau, he does not let them go. He will drive them to the ground. He's doing it over and over again. He's doing it. He's doing it, and this is what concerned me with him. He's a great coach. No, he's a great coach. He's a fantastic coach. He just has to learn to expand on his rotation and not just keep 
seven or eight players in this rotation. Expand it to 10, expand it to 11 players. You still have very tough. Nilkina should be playing more. Why can't Frank Nilkina play more than Alfred Payton? Frank mm-hmm. Nilkina, to me, has way more upside than Alfred Payton does because, first off, Frank has more size and he's a better defensive player. Do you don't think Kevin Oscar get hot in the game and work on his mid-range shooting or his three-point shooting? Of course he can. Mm-hmm. It, it's And it'll be top of two. You want to see more minutes with him and see him develop more. I mean, he was top 10 draft pick. He he's has played well when he has played. He has played well since yeah. he's come back. And I think Mitchell played. Robinson, when will he come back? Never. He probably won't. Mm-hmm. I don't even think he's going to be on the team next year. I think they'll trade him in the offseason. Um, I wouldn't do that. He's still very young. You still have oh, no, I wouldn't do it either, but I think they're going to try to get a star player. Mm. And they're going to ask for him. If, say, they want like a Carl Anthony Towns from Minnesota, which Thibodeau has said he really wants because he and Towns worked well in Minnesota together. That would be amazing if they could go. Mitchell, Mitchell Robinson is going to be one of the headline pieces of that trade. That's just a known fact because they're going to need to replace the production, albeit Robinson doesn't come anywhere Not near. just him. Also, you're going to probably have to trade either Obi Toppin or Quigley and maybe an R.J. Barrett to get a, a guy like Carl yeah, Anthony and, and you know what? They might have to do it. Plus, I don't know if they would have to maybe trade Toppin. It might have to be in, like one of their first-round picks. Or both of them. Possibility. I mean, look, Carl they're going to have to give up three or four first round draft picks for Carl. Top ten player in the league, top yeah. fifteen. Mitchell Robinson is the first guy they're going to want back because they're going to want to replace Towns' position at center. Does he have the offensive power that Towns does? Not even close. It doesn't even scratch the surface. But they're going to want to replenish that center position. So, Speedy, what do you think? Yeah, I think the rotation is definitely something that. Thibodeau could adjust. You're right. You're sticking to his values too much with certain players. I agree with you completely on Alfred Payton. I never liked him to begin with. I didn't even like him when he was with Orlando and everyone thought he was a promising young point guard. Randall, he was due to regress a little bit from what he was doing in the beginning of the season, but I didn't expect it to be to this extent. I definitely think he could be tired to some extent and maybe maneuvering him around in different roles could help that too. So I think for the Knicks, the biggest thing is more consistency offensively because they're relying a lot of, on a lot of the same guys and their team offense statistically was never great to begin with. They were always a top five defensive team, but a lower level offensive team. So maybe that start to level out too. So balance definitely will be key, especially when dealing with Randall and with Barrett. And March Madness just passed and my Baylor Bears, and I say my Baylor Bears because I picked them in the beginning of the season. Going into the season, I thought with the talent that they have and bringing back, practically back all their players from last year where there wasn't a March Madness, there wasn't a Sweet 16 or a Lead 8 or a Final Four, I thought that this Baylor Bear team was as good as any team in the nation, and they proved it. Going all the way to the national title game against the Gonzaga Bulldogs, an undefeated team where a lot of people thought was going to be the first undefeated team since the Hoosiers from Indiana years and years ago, going all the way through the tournament as an undefeated team. It was an unbelievable game, complete domination. And the two guys that really stuck out to me are the two two players that I believe are going to be highly profiled picks going into the NBA. Davion Mitchell and obviously Jared Butler, who is their best player. I think both players are top 15 players. Butler could be a top five player, some people say. Mm-hmm. It's going to be very interesting on how these players fall. And teams like the New York Knicks, who have two picks, one from Dallas, who it looks like Dallas is going to make the playoffs squeak in either a seventh or eighth uh, seed. The Knicks are going to have a chance to get one of these, I believe, one of these players. And it's so interesting because there are some good point guards in this year's draft. There really is. But are there going to be good point guards available at the position uh, where the Knicks are going to draft. With the two first-round draft picks that they have, do they try to move up in the top 14, top 10 to get the player that they really, really want? That's going to be the question. 
Yes, Butler's stock definitely rose with the way he played in the tournament, was most outstanding player in the tournament, and was great in the championship game. He made a lot of deep threes, great defensive player for the point guard position. So he'll definitely be in the top half of that draft and probably has risen the top 10. Davion Mitchell is a guy that's a good wing player, could also be a point guard if you need him to, and he does a lot of different things well. The only flaw really in his game, and you were screaming at him a lot during the Arkansas game, was his free throw shooting. Mm-hmm. But that's that's really it with Mitchell. He's been And he's pretty consistent throughout the tournament, too. So both those guys definitely can make an impact. And then their other great player is Vital, who you think maybe could, with a position change, potentially develop into something. I just worry about his size being more of a center skill set. But he was a great player in that tournament game. Eight offensive rebounds is unheard of. It is so interesting because with the NBA and the draft, some of these players, we've seen players that you wouldn't expect to come out of the draft and turn out to be the best player in the draft. Look at Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell was, what, the 13th or 14th I'll admit I was wrong on him. Uh, You were. And I I really wanted him. And the Knicks fans, they were brushed with him. What I mean by that, it was like some people wanted him, some people didn't want him. And I, I just think... That what you've seen with Donovan Mitchell and the development of what, what this kid's turned out to be. He was a decent college player. He wasn't a top-end college player. Right. Look at the player that he became in the NBA. His development as a player. And he was automatic when he came into the league. So mm-hmm. it's crazy how the NBA game is a lot faster and a lot harder but he's been a better NBA player than he was a college player. So it's pretty damn amazing. It really is. When we come back, Speedy, what do we got? Debate wars. You see what I mean? Do you see what I mean, Josh? Debate wars over here. You know, I'm, I'm losing it here. He's ecstatic, man. He is ecstatic. He you know. Himself. You know. Uh, should we get some toilet paper for him so we can cry? Why would I need toilet paper? Uh, to cry. We could. He might have been a part of that Mets celebration with the World Series. Uh, that could have been. I, I don't think he was alive. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Anyways, when we come back, debate wars here on the Weekend Crutch. Better. Cl- <laughs> Are back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Joshua Silverberg. And on the board, as always, Mr. Dirty Man himself, Tidy Whitey Man, Shaking Boogie, Speedy Petey. As you guys know, we are here only on Saturdays at 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World. Wide Sports Radio Network. Guys, download our app, the Worldwide Sports Radio app, by going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network, and go check out our website. We have the New York Minute Trivia Game, where you can win prizes. Seven questions, time for a minute. Go check it out. Put your email address so you can see all the different prizes and all the different things that we're going to be doing throughout the summer, the events that we're going to be doing throughout the tri-state and throughout the country. So definitely be in tuned with the Worldwide Sports Radio Network by going to the app and going to the website. Well, Speedy, what do we got? The Beat Wars. All right, we start this week in the NFL. No growling. (laughs) growling. (laughs) More dominant Chiefs player when he was healthy, Jamal Charles or Eric Berry? I'll go with Eric Berry because I'm also, I I give Berry credit for what he came back from with the, I believe he had cancer. Yeah, he had leukemia, I believe. Mm -hmm. So I I will give him the bad. I think that, I think Trump's anything over it. Listen, Jamal Charles was one of the top running backs in the league for a couple years. 
But Eric Berry was a dominant. And look, you never hear a safety go in that early in the draft anyway. That's how highly recruited he was coming out of Tennessee. So I'll go with Eric Berry. First of all, Jamar Charles went through a lot, too. He had two ACL surgeries, if anybody forgot. And he still was a top running back. But he wasn't, he, wasn't, he wasn't the best running back in the league at any point. Eric Berry was the best safety in football. And he was the best safety in football for about six years. And then he came back from his injury and still was a very talented safety. Eric Berry, he went through the leukemia situation. His numbers will show he is a Hall of Famer. Jamal Charles is never going to be a Hall of Famer. Eric Berry will go into the Hall of Fame. He was the best premier safety in the league, like I said, for almost six, seven years. So it's definitely Eric Berry. Better better point guard, Damon Stoudemire or Mike Bibby? (laughs) I love Mike Bibby, man. Those Sacramento Kings team should have, one of them should have gone to the finals, if not for the Lakers. I would tell you that right now. I mean, that team had Mike Bibby, Pedro Storyakovic, Chris Webber, Vlade Divac. It's amazing that those teams did not get in. Mike Bibby was also a really good three-point shooter. He tried his goal with the Knicks. It flopped miserably with the headband. I'll give it to Mike Bibby, though. I'm going to go with Damon Stoudemire. Now, Mike Bibby, he played for those great Sacramento teams with the Webbers of the world and the talented teams that they've had. Turkaloo. I remember Turkaloo. Turkaloo. I had a, he had a, he, that name was a tongue twister, by the way. But Damon Peja Stoyakovich. And Stoyakovich did. We're very talented. Damian Stoudemire, he played for Toronto most of his career. He did play with Vince Carter. He did play with Tracy McGrady. And he wasn't the best player. He wasn't even the second best player of the team. But... Damian Stoudemire, he had some flashes of a star player. Five foot ten, wasn't a big man. Mike Bibby was six two, six one. He was a, he wasn't a small point guard in the league at the time. I just think he was more fun to watch. I just like to watch Damian Stoudemire just because of his size. He looked like a little mouse on the court. So I'm going to go with Damian Stoudemire. All right. It wasn't Muggsy Bowes though. No, no, <laughs> dude, he could go under your legs. I mean, Muggsy Bowes. He was like five foot three, man. Yeah. <laughs> All right, better closer, Troy Percival or Houston Street? That's a good one. I like that one. Both I'm going to go Troy certain Percival. Points. I give it to Percival because of he was in, in bigger games. He was really reliable. I mean, you go back to the World Series team with the Angels, and even that first Tampa Bay Rays team that had that run. Mm-hmm. 2008. He was a big part of that 07 race team as the closer. He came in rejuvenating his career. He just had a nice career with Oakland and somewhat with Colorado a little bit. Not great. Troy Personal came out from a lot of injuries and stuff like that, so he was able to produce. So I'll go with Troy Personal. I'm going to go with Houston Street. I, I mean, he became a relief pitcher later in his career. He was a pretty good relief pitcher. He was an all-star for, uh, I think, three or four years. I'm looking at his numbers right now. 42 wins, 34 losses, 2.95 ERA. That's not bad. 668 games, 324 saves, and almost 665 strikeouts, and a 1.06 whip. Percival was a good player, too. I'm not going to say that he wasn't. But Houston Street was a strategic pitcher that went to a lot of different places and was successful everywhere he went. The years that he was a player in the major leagues, I think he was very successful. Like I said, Troy Percival was a good pitcher. But I just think Houston Street was just the better overall pitcher. And he threw a lot of strikes. I'm going to go with Houston Street. All right, on to hockey now. Better winger, Daniel Alfredson or Rod Brindamore? I met them both, and I interviewed them both. 
Which one did you like more? Rob Brindamore, I met him on an elevator uh, in, in Dallas. Didn't you say you didn't like him? Elevator. Like he was annoying you or something? Dude, dude, he's got such a weird nose. I mean, that <laughs> nose. <laughs> did you, but, did you, but did you fart in this elevator? No. Like you didn't no, but <laughs> Anthony LaRocca was standing right next to me, and he looked behind, like kind of like squirked right behind me, smirked, and he says, yo, Rob Brindamore is behind us. And he looked at us, and Rob looked at us and smiled at us. Right in front of him, I said, you sound like a fan. <laughs> He's one of the best coaches in the league right now. Yes, he is. I enjoyed watching Rob Brindamore, especially on that Carolina Hurricanes Stanley Cup team. I thought he was really he good. He was a great player. player. Daniel Opperson was a really good player. But to me, Brindamore, I think, stood out a little bit more. Winning the after that Stanley Cup, well, it wasn't just a player on that Stanley Cup. It was a massive part. You could ask Peter Laviolette how huge of a part he played in winning that Stanley Cup. So, I'm going to go Rob Brindamore. Oh, it's Daniel Alfredson. Uh, Daniel Alfredson's a Hall of Famer. Rob Brindamore is not a Hall of Famer. Look at Daniel Alfredson's numbers. 1,246 games, 444 goals, 713 assists, 1,157 points. His plus-minus, 155 in his career. It's, that's fantastic. Very good penalty killer. Was a captain of the Ottawa Senators. He was the heart and soul of the Ottawa Senators. Absolutely a Hall of Famer. He really put Sweden right out there in the open in the in the 90s. Him and Nicholas Lindstrom were the two big mm-hmm. superstars from Sweden. I'm going to go with Daniel Alfredson. He was a fantastic player. Better active defensive tackle so far in their career. Geno Atkins or Nadamakan Suk? I love Geno Atkins. I mean, listen, Dominican Sue, when he was in his prime with the Detroit Lions, he was a really good player. But to me, I think Sue made a bigger impact. But I think Atkins, I just think he had a little more burst off the line than Sue did. Sue had the bigger size. So that made the difference. I also just don't like Sue. He was a dirty, he was a dirty player. So that's the one thing I, I take out of his character to me. So I'm going to go with Gino Atkins. Well, Sue was the big name. He was the guy. He was the higher draft pick. So everybody loved the Dominican Sue. He's mean. He's vicious. He, won he was in Nebraska, too. He won a Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers finally this past year. But I'm going to go with Geno Atkins. Geno Atkins over there in the Bengals, Cincinnati, was very good. And, and, and as his career went by, slowly but surely became really turning that defense into one of the best front seven defenses in all of football. When we talk about... Carlos Dunlap and Geno Atkins, those guys were two big names that solidified what that defense was, especially under Lewis. So I'm going to go with Geno Atkins. All right. One more. Better first baseman, John Crook or Sean Casey? That's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> I just remember John Crook. I just remember John good. Crook. From John Crook was a good player. All-Star game for Randy Johnson. <laughs> He was a good player. Uh, I know he was a good player for Philadelphia. It's funny because they both have had some weird wonky memories. John Crook ducked out of the way from Randy Johnson's baseball in the All-Star game. Sean Casey got thrown out from a ball hit in left field because he thought he was out. And then the guy threw it from left field to first base and Casey got thrown out and he threw his helmet on the ground. So they both have had weird moments. I'll give it to Sean Casey because he had a more prolonged career. So I guess that kind of does. And he also had a pretty good career. He was on good teams. He was on that Cincinnati Reds team in 99 that lost that wild card game to the Mets, but he was also on that Tigers team that went to the World Series. I, I believe he was on that Tigers team in 06. He was one of the yep. backup players. John Kirk was a very good player. Couldn't stand him as an analyst. He was so annoying. He was so biased. He was disturbing. I'll go with Sean Casey and getting thrown out from left field to first base. Not, not right field, Arrow. Left field. He got a base and he got thrown Thank out. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to go with Sean Casey, too. Uh, career 302 hitter. Had a lot of at-bats. For a guy that had five, over 5,000 at-bats, 
and was a career 302 hitter, that's pretty good. I mean, he's a good hitter. I, I he just, didn't have much power, though. No, 130 game. home runs. I'm looking at his numbers right now. Not much power, but the guy can hit for average. Now, I think John Cook was a good player. John Cook had, like, four really good years. Sean Casey, he had a couple of really good years. I mean, one Even year— Even after he left the Reds, he went to Detroit. In uh, 1999, he hit 332. In, in 2000, he hit 315. He had three years— of back-to-back 300 years. And then in 2004, 324, 312. And then at the final part of his career, he hit 322 with the Boston Red Sox. So just think, he played 12 years. He hit over 300 in about seven of them. So that's pretty damn good. The hyper analysis on MLB Network, too. He's so hyper. Right? Between him Very and good Aaron analyst. And Very good analyst. Also, I can't keep up with the coffee that's given out of that, in that place. <laughs> He's a very good analyst. I, I really do like no, him. No, I like him. I think him and Burns and DeRosa are all... I love Mark DeRosa. I think he's very analytical, DeRosa, but Burns and he, he's funny. Mark DeRosa is going to be the next New York Yankees manager. Ooh. He got interviewed. Hey, listen. He got interviewed by the Mets. Just Cody, remember Cody, I said that. He was the mystery candidate it's for the Mets. either David Cohn or Mark DeRosa. Remember I, I said that. I love Mark DeRosa. That'd be my, interesting. They go for... They go from a live broadcaster to studio analyst. My, my, <laughs> next my, what is it? I remember really quick. I asked my brother, I said, who do you think the Mets are going to hire as the manager a couple years ago? And he said, I don't know, but boy, they should hire Mark DeRosa. And then it turned out DeRosa was the mystery candidate next to Tony <laughs> Nice for the job. And my brother was like, should have hired DeRosa. Go look at him on the network. Mm-hmm. Who knows what he's talking about? There you go. Anyways, that's it. The Weekend Crunch Debate Wars. I like that idea by you for DeRosa on the Yankees. That's a I, good idea. I think that could happen. I, I really Ooh. do. I think the Yankees really like him. Or Jahadi could be his pitching coach. <laughs> <laughs> I could be his pitching coach. Oh, you be something else. She's married already. You sicko. <laughs> you home wrecker. <laughs> well, somebody's got a pitch. And, and you'll catch, oh, you'll catch we for him. <laughs> well, Speedy, uh, that's another win for me, right? I am not the judge. I am just the one who makes the questions. Mm, there you go. Well, good questions. They were good, boy, Speedy. Yes. You finally didn't kiss up to him. That's oh, good. Is that what it is? <laughs> Maybe we should call Ike. Maybe you can hang oh, out. Oh God! <laughs> Wait, hold on a second. The hold segment would never end if Ike called. <laughs> Wait, hold on. If we play New York Minute, I'm going to go on there and try to win some New York Bet tickets. I really want to go to the game this weekend. Well, that's not one of the gifts. <laughs> that's not one of the gifts yet, buddy. Anyways, when we come yeah, maybe, back. Maybe we'll force you to watch a Trevor Bauer start. <laughs> that's true, too. Well, they'll take away all the balls that he's scuffing right now. Yeah, so. that's true. Anyways, when we come back, Speedy, what do we got? Crunch time. Here on the Weekend Crunch. Are back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Joshua Silverberg. And on the board, as always, Mr. Tidy Whitey himself, the dancing queen, the dancing sensation, Speedy Petey. As you guys know, this show is always on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time, only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. And if you don't get a chance to hear our show at 7 p.m. because the Islander game is on, our show is live after the Islander game between 10 and 10.30 
Check it out. Our show is awesome. And you can listen to our network on Worldwide Sports Radio Network by doing this. You go to our app and find our app on iOS, WWSRN, or Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We were just talking about Bauer when we were coming back from break. And you were talking about the MLB taking his balls to the headquarters and they're going to check out the balls and the scuffs on the balls. So I know this story came out. I, I, I don't know if the MLB is going to be able to prosecute Trevor Bauer, even if they find scuffs on the ball. What are they going to do? Fine him? Spend him or worse, they might check him before every start now. They're going to check the balls before every start now with him. Yeah, you want to check his balls? You're the one talking about his balls. I was just bringing up the balls. No, you just said you want to check his balls. So every you're the one that said they were checking. You were the one I was talking about checking his balls. Hey, listen, I'm just telling you. You just told me. You know what? In the end, honestly, you want to check his balls. No, in the end, you want to check them. I want to check them. Speedy, I think has seen them already. I think God, Speedy doesn't even wear underwear. So. <laughs> Which, by the way, you could go meet him at Walmart at what's accounting we right. haven't talked about Tiny yet. Whitey's, man. If, if that ended up happening, Trevor Bauer, of how outspoken he is, would have destroyed me. What's the right? town we haven't mentioned in Suffolk County yet where Speedy hasn't been to? Well, I think he hasn't been to Huntington. That was one of them. I That's mean, another one, Northport. Yes, Northport over there. East Northport would be nice for him. I mean, Deer Park, you know. Some, uh, some you grannies over there. there. You, could, rendezvous. you could sign a lot of granny panties over there. That oh, would be great oh, for wonderful. you. Yes. Uh, you know, and you maybe you how wonderful. Maybe you can bring your grandmother and she Why would can... I humiliate them like that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he goes from zero to 25 in a second. You know, you know. Uh, I'm just trying I to. I don't help. need them getting exposure in this nonsense. <laughs> You're... Why? It's great publicity for everybody. And it's great publicity for him. Are you kidding me? And for Granny? I mean, her tidy whities or whatever she wears, those Granny panties. Oh, my God. I mean, he'd sign those. I mean, those would be great for the grandwomen. I call them grandwomen, not grandmothers. Well, I guess the mom is out and the grandma's in. That's right. That's it, Speedy. Sorry. Strikeout. That's all I'm going to say. There we go. Well, Trevor Trevor Bauer needs a legal substance to do that, apparently. Well, you can use that with her underwear. Anyways. Oh, God. Uh, Speedy. Oh, my God. Speedy, what do we got? Thankfully, we got Crunch Time. (laughs) It's time for Crunch Time. All right, let's start with this uh, this illegal substance talk. So, similar, we see that hitters get random drug tests for using steroids. Big balls. Buy or sell, we will see multiple pitchers suspended for foreign substance used in their starts as a result of this Trevor Bauer news. I buy it because I don't think they have any other choice. That's the whole situation. If you're cheating and you're finding a way to fix your statistics in a way that's illegal, you have to suspend them. That's just the way it's, I think it's going to be. You're going to see a crack on it now. Is it coincidental that Trevor Bauer is the first one to really be charged with it? No, because I think MLB can't stand him as one of the spokespeople of Major League Baseball. So, I'm going to buy it. I think you're going to see more of this happening. I'm going to sell it. I don't think the MLB is going to look at every single ball that every single pitcher is going to throw. I think Trevor Bauer has been known to do this. There are other pitchers that are going to be investigated on after Trevor Bauer because there are quite a few. Garrett Cole being another one. In the offseason, there was stuff with Garrett Cole. So there are pitchers that are going to be investigated. They couldn't find anything on Garrett Cole. That's why it completely disappeared. I do think that there's some truth to this Trevor Bauer thing. I think certain pitchers, I don't think the whole league, so I'm going to sell that. All right, buy or sell. The Islanders' newest big acquisition, Kyle Palmieri, yes, in the baby. final 16 yes. regular season games for the New York Islanders, will have a double-digits 
points total. That's a lot to ask for. Because he's also got to get adjusted with his new team. He's got to get acclimated with the whole system and the way it all works he's a out. Good player. He is a very good player. He's a crider. That's what he is. He's, he's a, yes, he crashes the net. He goes fast. He's a he's crider. Speedy. That's what yes. he is. Exactly. He's a very good player. So I think Chris Carson is a very good player. Yeah. I'll sell it. I think that you're really asking a guy to get acclimated very, very, very quickly. And look, if anybody could do it, it's certain guys like a Crowder or a Paul Mary, these guys that could just fit into the system perfectly. Look, you got to outskate them. So I'll sell it. I think it's tough. But the, the bigger thing is for the playoffs for them. That's what the care should be about. I'm going to buy it. I, I think I think I almost call him a Crowder. Paul Mary. Yeah. Uh, I don't wish. I, I think he's the same type of player. I, I mean, if anything, Paul Mary is a better all-around player. He uh, really here is. We go. He is. If you look at his numbers in, in consistency in the last five years, who's been better, Paul Mary or Kreider? I'm going to tell you, Paul Mary. I don't know. I haven't seen Paul Mary. Paul Mary's been in uh, been in the All Star game two out of the last five years. Kreider, how many times has he been in the All Star game? Once that I can remember. <laughs> Well, what's the last few years? I'm just, I'm just saying. So you know, who's better? Paul Mary. But I think Paul Mary, when he gets accoladed, I think in the last five or six games, I think he can go on this binge for scoring and, and assist. I think on the line that he's going to be playing on, he, he's going to have a lot of talent. He plays with Pajot. He's going to have a lot of opportunities to put the puck in the net. So I am going to buy it. Buy or sell. Sam Darnold will have more yards and touchdowns than whoever the Jets rookie quarterback will be. I'll buy it for now because I don't know if the rookie quarterback is going to start right away. And clearly you're seeing if Brian Hoyer is in the building and they're going to probably sign him as the veteran backup. He's going to start the first year. He's not starting. They're going to start Zach Wilson. There's no way. I I, I don't think they will. I, I guarantee I you. They, I don't think they want to make the they, same mistake. They, they say he's the most NFL ready, and I believe he will start from day one. He will win the job, and I am going to sell that. Darnold will not have better numbers than Zach Wilson. I think Zach Wilson's going to want to prove himself early in the season, especially with the controversy that you've heard of the last couple of weeks that Sam Darnold should have been kept. They should have traded that pick. I think Zach Wilson's going to come out flying early in the season. I think he's going to show and he's I gonna think, fling it. He's going to fling it down the field. I That's do. What... I think the weapons that he's going to have, I think Denzel Mims will be 100% healthy. Bringing in the weapons that they had in this offseason, I think it's going to be fun to watch. I think Zach Wilson will have better numbers than Sam Donald by the end of the season. So Sling and I'm, fling. I'm going to sell that. Buy or sell. Michael Conforto will be hit or thrown at at least three times for the remainder of the Marlins series. I think it's going to be a sell because I think the umpires are going to give a warning before the games. And that's going to put the teams at risk of doing that. That's the only reason why it's not going to happen. It might happen once, but again, the umpires are going to give a warning. I think you're going to see it. Well, you probably started the game earlier in the day today, and you'll see it again tomorrow. They're going to warn them. So I'm going to sell that. I think he will be hit once, but it won't be hit more than that. I think throughout the season he's going to be thrown out. So I'm going to buy it. I don't know about the next three games. I think they'll hold off on it and then really get him. They'll really ping him, peg him sometime this season that is going to cause a lot of ruckus. This is not going to be over. I think it's going to cause a lot of problems with the Marlins. And you look at Don Manley. Don Manley was pissed. So Don Manley is a type of player. He's an old school baseball player. So I'm going to buy that. Don Matingley. Mm-hmm. <laughs> buy or sell. Kevin Durant makes his return. He will lead the Nets in points per game for the rest of the season. I'm going to sell it because I think they're going to put him on a minutes restriction until the playoffs roll around and try to keep him as healthy as possible. I think Harden and Kyrie are going to be the leaders of this team going forward with the points and basketball in their hands. You're going to be very surprised. I don't think Durant's going to play as many minutes as people think he's going to play because they're going to want him to be healthy. So I'm going to sell that. I'm going to buy it. I think Kevin Durant, once he gets acclimated early, I think he's going to start scoring. He's their number one guy. They're going to try to give him the ball to try to get him warmed up for the playoffs. 
he's going to see enough of it, and, and he's going to score. Uh, Kevin Durant is Kevin Durant, so I'm going to buy it. Buy or sell. Jack Eichel will be traded somewhere else other than the Rangers or the Kings. I'm going to sell that because those are the two teams that will offer the best package to the Buffalo Sabres. Even today, I read it again this morning that people still feel that the Kings are just not willing to give what the Sabres want. And they feel that the Rangers are going to offer them a really hefty package. I'm scared of what that package is going to entail, if it is the case. They do need another center. They need a number one defenseman. That's what this team needs. And if they get those two things and they get the right coach, this team will have a lot of success in the future. So... But I'm going to say, I think it's going to come out of the Rangers or the Kings. It might not even happen at the deadline. It might happen during the offseason. I'm going to sell that. It's either the Kings or the Rangers. I can't see on the, any other team having enough to land a big-time center like that. So I'm going to sell that. I think it's either the Rangers or, or the Kings. All right, buy or sell. Robbie Anderson will have his career high in yards now that Sam Darnold is with the Carolina Panthers. His previous career high was this year, 1,096 yards. Oh, stop. Come on. That's a sell. Let's be realistic here. I mean, it all depends on how the system is put in place. And Robbie has gotten much better with the yards after the catch. He's not just a deep 40, 50-yard guy anymore that just takes the ball down the field, doesn't run around. But at the same time, I got to see how Sam Darnold really is in this offense. I don't know what he is yet with Joe Brady and these guys. So, For now, I'm going to sell that. Might be proven wrong. That's okay. But for right now, I'm going to sell it. I'm going to sell that. He's not going to have a career year. It's going to take a while for Sam Darnold to be acclimated in the offense. So I think it's going to take him a while. And I think that's going to affect Robbie Anderson's numbers. And I don't think Robbie Anderson's going to be the number one guy for and the number one target for Sam Darnold to throw at. They have a lot of weapons. So I'm going to sell that. All right. Buy or sell. Francisco Lindor will hit his first home run as a New York Met within the next five games. I'll buy it. I would hope so. I mean, you look at the pitching he's facing for the next few games. It's really they're not world beaters. So if this is the time to do it, but I don't care what he does. I just want this freaking team to win games, all right? I want them to just win games. I don't care how many home runs he hits. Win the stupid baseball games, and that's it. It's a long freaking season. Let's go. Get it done. But I will buy that. I think he will. I'm going to sell it. I think this turn of events, it's going to take him a while to figure things out. Then he'll get on a hot streak. He'll have two or three home runs in about a week. And then Met fans will start to sigh of relief, and then he's going to go into another slump. So I think he's going to have problems the first couple of games. I think 10, 15 games until he figures things out, and he'll get hot. He's a good player, so he'll get hot. So I'm going to sell that. All right, one more. Buy or sell, Taylor Hall will ultimately not be traded by the Buffalo Sabres. Oh, it's a massive sell. If they don't trade him, they're stupid. But then again... <laughs> I'm going to say that again, the Buffalo Sabres. Sabres. So they're stupid. I actually feel for this organization because they've done everything in their power to try to make this team successful with the, with the drafting and the free agents that they've signed. Like, they've actually brought in talented players. It's just they just cannot put it together. And it's the weirdest thing on the wisest. If they really want a great player, a great leader, a guy that's Oh, my gonna, God. You put me on the wing with uh, Jack Eichel, I'm going to put the puck in the net, man. I'm definitely going to to sell this, especially after that comment. What, what do you sell mean sell this? Uh, Have you ever seen me play? I was a pretty damn good hockey Were there player. any Buffalo no, Sabres scouts at one of your... Uh, yes, I did. Your Ted, no, Ted Nolan. Nice. Ted Nolan. You, awesome. Ted Nolan used to scout. If you told me mm-hmm. off the air how many times you were a great hockey player... Well, and I, had to I, I don't have drink to tell you. you. Well, I mean, tell I'd be you. drunk off my People tail. will tell you. <laughs> I would. <laughs> you need to be spanked, man. I mean, somebody needs to spank you. 
Maybe Excuse me? Watch. Maybe your wife needs to speak. What? Oh my god! Somebody needs to teach you a lesson. This is getting a little kinky for the for the radio. I don't know. We'll, we'll probably stick Speedy on you. How's that? Oh god! Oh god! God! Here we go. <laughs> what did I do to deserve this? Now I, I never insulted your hockey career. Uh, that's true. You didn't. So I'll, I'll give you some credit on that one. But that's okay. I didn't insult it. All I said was he's told me a lot. I never told you anything. I'm going to buy it. He is not oh going to Oh, my God. Who's going to give me Agita? Where's he going to go? Who cares? Just get something for him better than losing him for nothing. What are you going to get for him? I don't care. Get a couple of draft picks. Who cares? How do you get Speedy's underwear? Well, let me ask you this. In all seriousness, would you rather hang on to him and just lose him for nothing? Or would you rather at least get some semblance of something? I agree with you. I just don't know if Buffalo is that smart. <laughs> well, bingo. There's the problem. <laughs> so, it's amazing how they've completely ruined Rasmus Dali. So it's you, really amazing how they've completely ruined him. It is true. The fire cell wasn't should the Sabres trade Taylor Hall. Of course they should. We all know that they're going to, will they actually do it is a whole other question. I don't think they're going to. I think they're going to do everything they can to trade Jack Eichel. They can really rob somebody. There's so many questions with Jack Eichel, I even know how great he is, and Mikey C loves him. I don't know if he's worth what everybody keeps saying that he's gonna, they're going to get for him. So that is it, ladies and gentlemen, for Crunch Time. And again, I win again. I am a genie. I know the answer. So there you go. The answer is he's not getting traded. <laughs> about You're right. also claiming you won something where the first question is a whole track record throughout the season, too. Where we have to too. see if uh, foreign substances get three pitchers suspended. <laughs> yeah, that's true, too. I think that it doesn't really matter where he goes, because wherever he goes, he's not going to win anytime soon anyways. Instead of going to the Boston Bruins, we're going to offer you more money. You take a one-year deal for the Buffalo Sabres. That's what you get. You get what you deserve. He should have went to the Islanders. I know the Islanders offered him something. He should have went to the Bruins. The Bruins offered him a multi-year deal with a lot more money, and he chose to go to the Sabres for one year. For what reason? Wanted, I have no idea. He wanted to play with Jackie Jack. That's a team I could see him trading for him, too, because they'll fleece the Sabres. You might want to play with Jack Eichel, but damn, man, you got to be able to see the big picture here. You knew he wasn't going to stay here in the long haul, Eichel. And that's why he only signed a one-year deal. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. That's it for our show, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you enjoyed I'm happy to entertain you guys and be here for Long Island and sports media and sports radio here and I have the two uh, dummy dummies over here. We have uh, the great little Jay himself, Joshua Silverberg that's picking his nose right now. It's in my mouth. Oh, I'm sorry. So you're <laughs> eating your snots. Is that what you're doing? Is that What, what am I, doing? free? I have no idea what you're doing. Look, I'm like this. You got your finger. I, how am my I? My nose is right here. Thank you. And then we got Speedy Petey who has uh, crusty, dirty underwear. I mean, we're all over the place today, but we're happy to entertain you guys. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. We will be back next week on Saturday. I think with everything that we have been doing here on 103.9, I'd like to thank 103.9 and the team of the production with Mike and, and, and just everybody. Everybody that's been supporting everything that we've been doing here. We are very happy to be here and really to give you guys sports on 103.9 and being one of their shows that they love. We love being here. We love really showing and supporting the product here in Long Island. So I'd like to thank everybody from 103.9. Josh, do you have anything to say before we go? No, I mean, just Mets, Yankees continuing on. I think the NHL trade deadline is mm-hmm. this week. I find the NHL trade deadline next to the baseball trade deadline is the best one in all sports. I think it's yeah. phenomenal. You always see all the overpays galore on the NHL I trade think the deadline. Islanders, <laughs> I think the Islanders is done. Yeah, looking forward to all that stuff, and we'll see what happens going forward. And 
The NFL draft is right around the corner yeah. on your birthday, and my birthday is, I think, five days before yours, so that's yes. exciting. Yes, and then we're going to celebrate my birthday partying it up, so there you go. He just didn't even, like, mention my birthday. It was well, like, God, you know, it was just know, over we, the head. We already know about your birthday. It's a little bit more uh, special when it's my birthday, you know? I, I'm I turning know. 30. Yeah, big... You're turning 30, and I'm turning 39. I mean, that's... Uh, that's Who cares a... about 39? I do. I mean, it's a beautiful number. You know, it's not 69, Ooh. but it's 39. Right, right. Good luck arguing with this guy. We'll remember that for your 69th birthday. Well, if I'm 69 <laughs> and I'm talking on the radio, which I hope I am, uh, I'm definitely going to be talking like this. If you're talking like that at 69, something's going on. Yeah. <laughs> that should be more of 89, not 69. Well, you know. <laughs> Thank you, doctor. (laughs) Anyways, that is it for our show, ladies and gentlemen. Listen, follow us by going to our app, the Worldwide Sports Radio app, iOS, WWSRN, and Android Worldwide Sports Radio Network. For Errol Mark, Speedy Petey, and the great Joshua Silverberg, we will talk to you next week. Until then, good night, everybody.